Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Email todaycb at rte.ie. This week's RTE Investigates programme highlighted the complexity of finding the right professional mental health support. Psychiatrists, psychologists and psychotherapists work with similar problems but in very different ways. So what are the perils of trying to find someone you click with and who can help you at what is likely to be a vulnerable time in your life? I'm joined in the studio by Dr Emma Farrell who's a chartered psychologist and researcher in UCD. She's also author of a book called Making Sense of mental health, a practical through lived experience. And Emma, you're very welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. So what we want to do really is to get a brief description of the disciplines we're Mm. we're dealing with here. Will you start first with psychiatry? Of course. Thanks, Claire. Well, psychiatry is a branch of medicine that's concerned with understanding, diagnosing and treating uh, disorders of the mind. Psychiatrists are medical doctors who complete their degree and internship as any other doctor would, but then go on to specialise in psychiatry. They typically work in or are attached to hospitals and they are really concerned with the diagnosis and treatment of mental illness. They can refer to another member of a multidisciplinary team such as a psychologist or a psychotherapist. But I think the thing that people often think when they think about how psychiatry is different from the others is that psychiatrists are medically trained and they can prescribe medication. And that is a difference. People are not mistaken about that. They can prescribe medication. Psychiatrists can. So then move on to psychology and tell us about that. Yes, the psychology is also a scientific discipline and it's concerned too with the human mind and behaviour. Psychologists study how people think, how they act, react and interact. They can diagnose mental disorders too and they treat these disorders using a range of psychological approaches, many of which overlap with psychotherapy. So you can see how it can be a little bit confusing at times. So psychologists aren't medically trained and only a small proportion of people who actually do psychology degrees go on to work with people who might be in distress or are vulnerable. Psychologists can specialise in a number of areas such as clinical psychology, counselling, forensic educational and and occupational psychology. So there's lots of different types of psychologists too. Okay, so if the vast majority of them don't work with people who are in distress on a one-on-one basis, what are they doing? Well, the vast majority of people who do psychology degrees, so a lot of people do psychology degrees and it can take you into all sorts of really interesting areas. So, for example, I'm a psychologist, but I don't work with people in distress, but that's where my research lies and all of my teaching. And there's people who do psychology degrees who find it very helpful when working in human resources, for example, mm-hmm. or a whole range of things. I'm sure many of your colleagues here in RT started out in psychology too. I mean, you, you can imagine you could go and work in marketing, for example, yes, exactly. and, and that would be of, of an advantage to you. So psychotherapy, which you've mentioned as well, and this is another discipline we want to touch on, Emma. Yeah, absolutely, Claire. So psychotherapy is sometimes referred to as talk therapy and really is concerned with helping people identify and change troubling emotions, thoughts, behaviours, just difficult situations um, in your life. I, I spoke to a colleague during the week, Dr. Lucy Corcoran, who's a psychologist and a psychology lecturer, but who's also training to be a psychotherapist. So she's quite well positioned to describe the differences between psychology and psychotherapy. And the way she put it to me was that psychology starts off with a diagnosis and then tries to prove, you know, suggest a particular psychological intervention based on that diagnosis. I mean, there's a lot of variation within that. But psychotherapy is much more concerned with providing a space for exploration, for exploring what's going on 
on in a person's life. And it's that relationship, that psychotherapeutic relationship that's key. And it, it doesn't it isn't quite as prepackaged or um, straightforward as a more psychological intervention can be. So in order to be a psychotherapist, do you need to have a foundation in psychology and a qualification in psychology? Not always. Many do. Um, but it is possible to specialise in an area of psychotherapy without having psychology first. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different types of psychotherapy. I think some of your listeners might be familiar with things like cognitive behavioural therapy, but there's psychodynamic therapies, integrative therapies, families and systemic therapies. So there's so many different forms of psychotherapies that often you have to spend a lot of time specialising in your your particular area. So let's talk about some of the perceptions around all of Mm. this because people might be forgiven for thinking that psychiatry is for the more extreme mental illness, psychotherapy perhaps for the least extreme and psychology somewhere in the middle. Now how far off are we if we make those assumptions? I would say you're, you're not far off in the sense that that kind of stepped model of care is fundamental to how our policies certainly work when it comes to mental health. So you might, as you say, begin with some psychotherapy to explore issues. But then if you need more um, kind of intervention at a higher level, you might be referred to psychiatry or elsewhere. But it often isn't that straightforward or it doesn't work quite as linearly in in real life. Um, I research people's experiences of distress and I'm particularly interested in hearing about their lived experience with any predefined gender set of questions. So people have shared stories that have followed that more stepped model. But more often than that, the, the paths to and through support are much less linear. I think particularly of a young man I worked with a number of years ago who chose the pseudonym of Kingsley. And Kingsley described going through a really tough time. He just had a breakup. His plans for the summer, he was in university, had fallen through. And he filled the time that he had on his hands, as he would say, not particularly healthily, by, by smoking cannabis. And Kingsley experienced quite a significant psychotic episode. And it was really distressing for him and his family. And he initially was brought to hospital and was under the care of a psychiatrist. And Kingsley would say that he's extremely grateful for the care he received there. And and when I met him, he was continuing to take a small dose of of antipsychotic medication. But he said he left hospital with the sense that his leg had been broken and now it was fixed again. He just needed to make sure he didn't break it again. But he really struggled. He really struggled to move through that period in his life. And it was only when he met a psychotherapist with whom he built up a really strong relationship and began to explore the broader context and the sense of trauma around what had happened to him that he really began to make progress. It really, Mm -hmm. really helped him. So in that example, the psychiatrist was the emergency doctor. Yes, exactly. And it was able to take him so far where for Kingsley, it was a psychotherapist. For somebody else, it might be a psychologist. And I think that's the thing I hear over and over again, that there really is no one size fits all when it comes to mental health. And how do people know what size fits them? That's the question, isn't it? That is it. And that's the hardest thing. You know, I, I often say to people when they come to me and they say, well, I just don't know where to go or what to do. And the first thing I always suggest is that you find an ally who will journey with you to getting the type of support that you need because it, it can take a long time and there's a lot of trial and error and sometimes you can feel like you're not making much progress. Um, so having an ally on that, that journey is extremely helpful. 
sometimes we feel like a therapy isn't work for, working for us, that there must be something wrong with us. And I think that's something I hear about a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if this is supposed to be helping, but it's not helping me, does that mean I'm really broken? But actually, it's more likely that it just isn't the form of therapy or support that would work for you. I suppose it's a very subjective thing, isn't it? Because some people might feel that with therapy, they shouldn't be challenged at all, that they're just there to have a, a nice chat that ultimately makes them feel better. And for that person, it will make them feel better. But other people might want to be very much challenged in yeah. a therapy session. And we're all different, Claire. We all need and, and like, and I suppose it even comes back to how we view the world. You know, in, in my book, I talk about how it was really interesting to notice how people who, I worked a lot with students who were studying science, much preferred a kind of a more pragmatic approach. You know, say, I really like the idea of CBT because it, it helps me kind of break down what's going on and work on parts individually. And I have a plan and a system and that works for me. Whereas other people would say, I found that just too much like a machine and, and it wasn't really helping me understand what was going on for me and really getting to the, the root of the issues that I was struggling with. So if somebody is looking for help, do they have to go to those therapists and make a judgment after the first session or how does it work? Um, ideally, and unfortunately, we, we live in a world where options aren't always readily available. So if, if we had an ideal scenario where, where cost and availability were no concern, I think it's it's often a case of trying things out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's helpful if we have, as I say, an ally or somebody we know who, who knows us and who can say, you know, this might be a good place to start and, and try that and see if that helps. And you've spoken as well to people who've had very different experiences when they've gone for help. So Mm. one person said of the psychiatrist that they didn't like how they were on Mm. medication. Somebody else said, well, that person wasn't tough enough on me. So really, it depends on the individual. Is that what you learned? Absolutely. And I think when we're in distress, when we're struggling, I think all of us just want someone to come along and make everything better and go away quickly. But mental health is in many ways an opportunity to learn and grow as well. So sometimes it's about finding out what works for us what we need and, and that can be a little bit of a, a case of trial and error until we find the right form of support for us. And there was a time wasn't there and some people would say it still exists where mental health issues are, were stigmatised mm. um, it's very common though now I, I think most people would accept for people to talk about what they're going through and, and the struggles that they're facing do you think we've swung too far in the other direction or have we not gone far enough? I I think it's really positive that we have come to recognise that we all have mental health, that there is no them and us, that there's just all of us. I don't think many of us get through life without struggling at some point or other. What I would be a little concerned about is the framing of everyday distress as illness. I hear words of disorder a lot more. And while there's no doubt that many people really struggle and it can be really distressing, I think framing suffering as illness shifts the focus slightly from suffering as important information about our worlds and our lives to there's something wrong with us. In in fact, I think the thought that there's something wrong with us can actually just add to that sense of hopelessness and that sense of suffering. It removes us from the enormous potential we have as human beings to learn and to grow and to change. And it kind of positions it slightly as as faulty or or passive. So too much labelling? Well, I don't know. I think our words should be in service to us. And if our words shape our world in a way that is helpful to us, and I think the most important thing to say is that diagnosis is really important for people to get the help that they need. That's how our system works. And I certainly wouldn't want to suggest that there are people out there who struggle enormously. But the question is, are our words, are our ways of thinking about distress 
in service to us? Are they helping us? Are they mm-hmm. allowing us to, to grow and to move forward? Of course, getting to that point, it costs money. And, mm. you know, some people may not have access to public health services. We know all about the waiting list. We were talking about them earlier in the week. So this kind of help that we've been talking about, Emma, it's not always available to the people who need it. Sadly, Claire, it's not. And unfortunately, I think if you can pay, you have greater degree of choice and, and perhaps more options. But in an ideal world, I mean, we, we know that different things work for different people. And unfortunately, if you're in a, a system that's publicly funded where there may not be choice, you may not have the option of finding that thing that works best for you because it just may not be available. There's waiting lists and unfilled posts and lack of options, which can be really tricky to deal with. But I think, you know, I know it's a bit cliche, they say that the sign of a a society and how well a society is doing is how it treats its more vulnerable and I think most vulnerable. And I think we're not really caring for our most vulnerable particularly well, particularly when it comes to, to mental health. Providing support for people when they need it, where they need it and in a form that works best for them just benefits us all. Absolutely. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Dr Emma Farrell, Chartered Psychologist. Thank you very much, Emma, for coming in. Some news in from uh, Met Erin in the last few minutes. They have issued that status yellow ice warning as predicted by Jerry Murphy when he was here at 10 o'clock. This is for Cavan, Donegal, Monaghan, all of Connacht, Kildare, Leash, Longford, Louth, Meath, Offaly and Westmeath. The yellow warning is for freezing temperatures, widespread frost and icy surfaces leading to hazardous travelling conditions. And it's valid from 7pm, that's this evening, 7pm this evening through until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Back after this. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.